0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting Radiolamon.com. The sound of endurance racing
1: around the world.
0: This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network.
2: Hello everyone, Richard Crail here and welcome to On The Grid a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000 TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under we'd love to have you involved as well if you've got any questions about Antipodean Racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the racetalk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most. The voice of the Melbourne Cricket Ground as well is Tony Shebeki.
3: All right, joining us, of course, as he does every week or except one week, a few Uh, weeks ago when he wasn't here, uh, Richard Quail from theracetalk.com. Hello, Quayle.
2: We miss one week and get plastered for it for the next month. One One go. -go, That's all it takes. One go. -go. One week off during a global pandemic and this is what I get for it. Hello, Shebex. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, We continue to count down to the return of Real World Racing Final round of E-Series this week, which will be cool. And we'll yeah. be digging out some great memories of Oran Park, um, which has been great fun this week and running some stories on that on TRT. So, uh, been enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, just building up to some uh, some motorsport, mate, which is cool.
3: Dale Rogers to join us a little bit later on to have a bit of a chat. But let's get into our first guest because love having a chat to this bloke under normal circumstances. I even love him more now that he's actually made his own grog. How cool is this? Wade Orgner, the voice of Speedway, joins us. How are you, Wade?
0: Uh, the, well, I had, it was the only way I could get on the show. I, thought I, <laughs> if, I just, if I can create my own moonshine that's not made in the Barossa Valley where the upper crust of motorsport journalism live uh, and drive Porsches and occasionally hold them, then I, that's the only way I could do it. Yeah, it's well, great. you're more than welcome on here anytime, buddy. You know that. Thanks, Max. Tell well, us like- about this uh, white liquid or the clear liquid that you have in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, white lightning. Um, it was a very random situation. My friend Steve Timis here in Mildura owns a gin um, distillery, a boutique distillery called Fossies. And he he invented this wonderful vodka called Stay the F at Home Vodka. That was literally what it was called. And um, and I've abbreviated it. It was the full word on the label. Yep. And he said to me, you should try and, you know, talk to your people in your social media world about our vodka. And I said, Oh. I don't mind vodka, but can we do something a bit more romantic? And he said, what do you mean? I said, let me come back to you. And I had a bit of a think about it. Went the next day and said, can you make moonshine? And he goes, yeah, absolutely we can. Moonshine is just really unmatured or uncultured, <laughs> very low-rent <laughs> 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 um, alcohol that you won't find in the Brosser Valley and, um, unless it's in Krause's in backyard. And uh, he said, yeah, we can make it. And I said, what if we called it? methanol moonshine so that it actually was named after the fuel that we use in speedway because anyone outside methanol in speedway would think that it's crystal meth or that yeah. it's meth <laughs> yeah so it's got a slight danger to it that it can be misconstrued but maybe that's part of the appeal and so literally that was six weeks ago and uh, last night we launched the label and the label is super. i'm more excited about the bottle uh, than i am about the actual product because it's got a real 3d effect in it and uh Thank God it tastes good, Krause. I had a good taste test. I gave it a real serious research and development to make sure it was something that I could get my head around, and it's really good.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's an important part of the process. We, th- this podcast, Wado, and uh, the website, we've, we've had a bit of a tradition at Supercar Rounds where we put the call out, and we've had people join us randomly for beers ah. on, a, on a Saturday night or a Friday night. We, we started last year on the Gold Coast. Come and join us say you listen to On The Grid and we'll buy you a beer.
0: Yep. And we
2: had exactly one person turn up for that, which was more, uh, it's 100% more than we thought. Was it Reynolds? No, it wasn't. No, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. Drivers had to stay at home. They were, they were busy. Oh, um, fair enough. We, we then uh, continued it on further and had two people at the next one. And then at the Adelaide 500 this year, we had like a dozen people turn oh, up. Man.
0: It's getting out of control.
2: But my point is, we, I reckon we need a Chebex. We need an alcohol sponsor here. Oh, I, I think we oh, hey, Here we go on-the-grid moonshine nights. I reckon this, yes. this is thing. Um, the thing. The whole moonshine thing, though, is yeah. genius, because it's actually got really deep ties yeah. to motor racing. Like NASCAR was found oh, bootlegging, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I'd love to tell you that that was my initial thought process behind it, Krause, that it had a romantic idea. I just looked around and thought, when you say the word moonshine, everyone has an idea in their mind of what they think it is. And they immediately think of Uncle Jesse or they think of Daisy Duke, or they think of the General Lee, or people loading crates of jars in the back of cars that are running along the beach in Florida, uh, which is what NASCAR was founded on. So everyone has an idea of what they think it is. Um, I don't drink it as a shot. You can drink it as a shot, but we've invented all these cocktails that we that we use for it. And um, the good part is we can create anything. We can have Mount Panorama moonshine. We can have Porsche 944 moonshine, if you like, crazy. Yes. We can... We can come up with anything. Moto moonshine for motocross, nitro shine for drag racing. So, um, and the really cool thing is, within twenty four hours, America has been banging down my door. All the sprint car industry in the states are going, "How can we get this?" Fantastic. And America, they're the ones that give it to me as a, in a jar at Knoxville. Hey man, you got to try my shine. I come up with a jar in the dark and go, "Hey man, <laughs> hey wait, you got to try this." I'm like, "It could be anything." <laughs> oh, and it, most of the time it is. But that, that's the <laughs> romance. That's the romance of it. Now, you see, you talk about people
3: and their thought process to moonshine. My thought process for moonshine is that it's the American version of grappa. So the yeah. Italians have grappa, yep. Croatians have rakia, or whatever it might be, and Americans have moonshine. It's an unfiltered uh,
0: alcohol, high percentage of alcohol. So you can strip the paint off your car with it. And, and we have on the label established 2020 um it is absolutely not an established 1895 it's nothing (laughs) like that it's like you literally sniff it and you go four o'clock a good year because you literally craft (laughs) i'll use the word craft you craft (laughs) it and you drink it an hour later if you have to wait that long so um it's been just a great distraction boys. to be honest with you because i've needed something and we all have um so and i think everyone's gone a bit back crazy and um it's been a really fun um, distraction. The fact that the label on the bottle is just way cooler than I could have imagined. And I sort of showed you guys earlier and sent the, sent the video to Crowsey. That's what I think it's really got me excited. And the fact you can marry it to anything. So it's been fun.
2: Yeah. Uh, jump on Facebook, a really good Facebook page that you're looking after. Um, it's terrific. Jump on there. We'll give you the links at the end of the show. Um, what what do you have it with? So you you said you don't have it straight. What do you what do you mix moonshine with? I'm not uh, I'm not entirely sure. In fact, I'm not actually sure I've ever tasted moonshine. Good,
0: I like that challenge. And you know, so Shebex, I did romance, I did foreplay Krause a little bit about <laughs> yeah, yeah, a month yeah. ago, and I and I teased him with the idea that I'm going to send him my Verne Chupin um, Roe Valley Wines Port, my leading yeah, nice. son's Port, so. Mm. I'm looking at the bottle on top of my fridge right now. There's the Gary Rush one, a Dick Johnson one, uh, Bill Wigsell, and the Verne Chupan one is the one I'm prepared to give. Is the Verne Chupan one, is that a very bold flavour? Or should that be a bold flavour? The bold, I can't, no, very, what?
2: Isn't Vern? Verne's got a good crop of hair. Oh, he has, okay.
0: I don't drink, I don't drink port. I honestly couldn't tell you, but I, I see where you're going with that, Shebex. Um, so, Play to be honest it. with you, my, my 20-year-old son, he drinks it straight out of the bottle. Um, I don't, I drink it with um, Bundaberg ginger beer. It's really good. We call it, it's called a dark and stormy in any other language. We call it it a dust storm. Yep. Um, You have a snake bite, which is where you take two sips out of your beer and you put a 30 mil shot into the top of your beer. Really? you drink it, oh, it warms you up. Like, you know yourself, a a beer is a fantastically cold, refreshing thing. But this time of the year, a cold beer in... Freezing cold wind is not the greatest experience. Mm. This this warms you up. You're going to make an espresso moontini, so you substitute moonshine into the espresso martini, wow. and that is really good with a cold brew coffee. Um, you can make margaritas. You can make anything you want with a normal cocktail. You can have it with coke, with lemonade, with soda water, ginger beer. I tell you what's really good is those um, blood moons. You know the um, the orange. Uh, light, they're like like a ginger beer, but they're an orange, um, blood orange. Yeah. 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 Um, the bloody Marys, the blood moons. And we have one called the valve bounce, which <laughs> um, is pretty well of a straight shot.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <'cause>, yeah. <laughs> you want to kick the rods out. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one you have fantastic. Put, put, a, put a leg out of bed. I love it. Yeah. That. That's amazing. That's fantastic. And, and the bottle is cool. And I realize we're an audio medium yes. so people can't see it, but jump onto that Facebook page and, have a look. But yeah, the, the label was sort of on the, how do you describe it? The, there's a picture of the, the car on the back of the back label, I think. So when yes. you're looking through it, it looks 3D. Yeah. Really cool, clear bottle. And of course, it's it's perfectly clear liquid. So yes. yeah, amazing, amazing design. And I know you love the design element. You're a, a guru oh. photographer and, and all that. So I'm, I'm not surprised it's got that weight orange look and feel about it. Cool part about Krazi is that because, as you pointed out, it's a clear liquid, and Shebex would know plenty
0: about clear liquid. Though I suspect it was probably Uzo that he's thinking about. <laughs> um, you you finish the bottle, you fill it back up with water, <laughs> and then you put it you put it on the bar. So you literally you just recycle the bottle, mm. and it looks no different to how it did when you first bought it with the moonshine in it. No, you see, uh, my
3: clear liquid experience is Grappa and also Rakia. And I had a life-changing experience with Rakia, which is a Croatian moonshine. I went to a friend's place when I was 18 years of age and I is had this, a shocking flu. Is
2: no, this it's broadcastable? No, is this very right? much okay. so.
3: I had, a, I had a really bad head cold. The mother of my mate said, here, have a shot of this clear liquid in a 30-mil shot. I put it down. For the next 20 minutes, my body proceeded to go to temperatures of minus 5 degrees. I was <laughs> shivering. For 20 minutes after that, I was at 42 degrees. My whole body went through this cleansing process. And within 40 minutes, my head cold totally disappeared. And I was able to go to the nightclub that night and have a great night. But, so you went from, you went from minus, what, how much, what did you say your body temperature went? From? I was freezing, weight. I was shaking like this. And then, and then all of a what? sudden, and then it went boiling hot. I was sweating like a pig.
0: So it was basically a V8 Ute round at Phillip Island. <laughs> that, yes, very much. God, I miss those days, Crousey.
2: Yeah, they were they were good, my friend. Um, you and Boydo and Wayne Russell calling the Utes at Pro Car Rounds. But um, for those that, that aren't aware or perhaps listening to us um, via Radio Show Limited in the UK and around the world, Boydo and I called. It must have been a couple of hundred Speedweek episodes yeah, over the years, surely, yeah. um, in those little studios in Sydney and at uh, various Shannon's Rounds around Australia. At good times. Hey, um, you're the voice of sprint car racing here and abroad. Um, where's the sport of Speedway mm. at through all of this um, current drama? Well, America
0: is basically... Um, they're just doing it. Mm. Um, they started off with um, the social distancing and to some degree that they, the Outlaws have certainly made sure that they've, um, the world of Outlaws have made sure that they adhere to that. Yeah. But I know there's a lot of rebel tracks in America just going, screw it. We don't believe that. They're, they're, they're using the whole get busy living, get busy dying thing and they're just going yep. to the races. Um, the Outlaws are racing without crowds. Although Knoxville Raceway well on the weekend, they raced, they had about 4,000 people, but their grandstands are big enough that you can literally, you know, space everybody out. So yep. They make the grandstand at Sandown look like it's a tin shed at Knoxville, so you can space people out. Australia, it's predicted that Parramatta will be open on the 3rd of October. That's the plan to have opening night there, Krausey. So um, at this point, that's the way we've got to keep believing that things will go. Um, The live streaming thing has saved American Sprint Car Racing because you can watch Dirt Vision, those pay per view providers, and watch it like that. The world did go to the iRacing thing, I personally don't subscribe to watching it. I just don't, it doesn't do anything for me. I'm sorry. I just, just doesn't. And I appreciate it's important. It's mm-hmm. kept everybody connected. It's kept everybody um, as, as much of a community as it can, but I hadn't watched it. So, but we're in a situation like every other sport, Crousey, I suppose, but um, America is definitely starting to get rolling. The Knoxville Nationals is in August. I won't be going. Obviously, I don't think our country's borders will be open by then. That's the, that the reality. And, I've been very lucky since 2015 to be a special guest at that event and to be able to run a mark at that place. So it's a bit heartbreaking this year not to be able to go, but I, I am completely comfortable with my government's decision yeah. that keep the borders closed. I, I totally get that.
2: Uh, and there's it's been in the news quite significantly, and it, it's an irony that for a, an element of our sport in Speedway that sometimes struggles to crack, even the mainstream motorsport yeah. news, which was, an, I know, a massive frustration to everyone involved. Um, for the last six months, it, it's been in the mainstream news full stop, especially in Sydney with um, what's been going on over at Parramatta and and the New South Wales government compulsorily yeah. acquiring that venue. Um, it's been a massively controversial subject, I know. Yeah. I know there's been plans announced, but I, I'm sure it's still rumbling on behind the scenes. Just give us an update as to where that's at from a a speedway side of the sport and what's the likely outcome there of that potential move out to the West?
0: Well, I mean, obviously our biggest um, fear was that the government would say we're going to build you a new venue and then just not get around to it. Um, That that was our biggest fear. It wasn't, yes, you know, the way that it happened was all very violent and very abrupt and everyone was shocked and disappointed and despaired and scared. Um, The announcement was made after Christmas You know, that yes, there's going to be a new venue, but the reality was June of next year is when the venue's got to be cleared. So Mm -hmm. there'll be nothing left that resembles a Speedway in June of 2021. And then by September 2021, there's got to be a new Speedway built so that there's no missing season. There's no downturn. And great friends like ours, Max Dumsney is a great example of a man whose entire um, income comes from motor racing, not just Speedway, obviously with touring car masters and uh, TA2 stuff and things like that as well. So he's got a huge investment. So we were fearful that they wouldn't build the venue in time. Uh, there's been uh, plans announced at the top end of Sydney Dragway. If you've ever been to the Sydney Dragway and you've imagined you go down the drag strip and you go got to turn back and come back down the return road on the right-hand side, almost at 2 o'clock if you look down that strip. That's where the new venue has been announced. Um, there's plans drawn up. There's a lot of discussion about, is it the right venue? Is it big enough? Can we coexist with drag racing? There's an element of people within the drag racing industry saying they don't want it. and I And I completely understand. If we had a wish list, it would be a completely separate venue. Yes, it makes sense to put it in a motorsport precinct. Mm. There is the element of dust, boys. And we are a dirty sport. We're a sport that makes dust. That's my concern, the congestion for spectators, for car parking, us wanting to run the venue whenever we can. There's a lot of concerns about it, but at the moment it seems to be progressing. The government's doing tenders for the earth-moving process, and they seem like they're pretty well flat out on it.
3: Will it be in a, uh, in, a, in a bowl situation way that they're going to build, or is it be above the land?
0: Um, I, I think it's going to be an in, uh, an internal, like a build into the yeah. into the surface uh, with the actual track itself. To be honest, Shamex, I haven't looked really super closely at it, and that might surprise you because Krause knows that you know that I, I'm I live and breathe this sport. It's it's mm-hmm. absolutely my whole lifeline, um, but I haven't 100% paid any attention to it. I um, I'm just hoping that administratively it can be solved first because the lease is actually as critical as the venue. That doesn't mm. sound like a really strange thing to say. If, if suddenly you can only run 25 times a year yeah. uh, and you can't access it for um, you know, venue hire, for driver training, for other forms of motorsport and things like that, that's my concern as much as what the venue is, if that's not a weird thing to say. No. What we want for Parramatta is like for like. So we want to recreate Parramatta in a 2021 spec. You know, that's what I'm hoping for.
3: I yeah, no, yeah. totally totally understand. You mentioned about the uh, the borders not being open and your inability to go overseas. Unfortunately, that's probably going to work the same way for the yeah. American guys that normally come over for the yeah. World of Outlaws. How's that going to hurt uh, sprint cars
0: this summer? Well, there's nowhere really to know. There's nowhere to know yet. Um, that is the reality. You, you know what you guys are, are saying is right. I mean, I vividly, I always try to get crowds, You always try to drag him out for Speed Week over that Christmas New Year. Period when the when the Yanks come out, it's the high season for our sport. Um, it's probably no different to wanting international drivers for the Gold Coast Six Hundred back in the day, Kraus. You imagine if this mm. had happened when the Indy Car oh, yeah. circus—you know—some of the greatest times of our life were, um, you know, were schoolies for adults. That incredible Gold Coast Six Hundred week, um, and you have to think this is the same kind of ramification. What do we do without the Americans? Mm. The reality is that Parramatta in its final year, guys, will will pull. You would hope nostalgia and crowds for the season, regardless of who's there. Everyone will want to see those last laps. So I'm hopeful that Americans may be able to get in by January, but you have to think it's going to be iffy.
2: Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to follow that because um, of all the forms of motorsport in Australia, outside of supercars, the one that A, draws a crowd and B, relies on a crowd to be financially yeah. viable is Speedway. Um, and well, even looking, looking yeah. at crowds crowdsway over last summer, You look at Parramatta and there's five or six thousand people. Even local to me, Murray Bridge, you know, four or five thousand, but not just for one night. For five or six nights in a row, and like that's legitimate crowd up to any level of professional sport. MBL in Australia, A League soccer crowds are terrible. Speedway probably gets more than them over an aggregate in a season. So, yeah, it's so important, I guess, for starters you get crowds, and then if you can get the yanks along, yeah, be a bonus. I would have thought. Well, the venue—the
0: interesting part with Parramatta guys is that um, Parramatta is predominantly far more multicultural than the Sydney Motorsport Precinct. Mm. So, to be honest, if you think Parramatta as we as we do, you think, um, well, if the speedways there, it's got to be a largely, um, uh, you know, blue-collar worker kind of Aussie um, community, traditional Aussie community. And the reality is, it's not. Um, there's yeah. a, a lot of surrounding Indian communities, Muslim communities. Um, Chinese, uh, uh, Lebanese. Uh, if anything, there's probably a, a smaller percentage of um, Caucasian, Aussie uh, men and women that would follow Speedway in that direct vicinity than there ever was. So to be honest, the idea to move out west to you know the, the Blacktown, the Glendening, that whole area, out towards Liverpool, etc., makes a lot of sense geographically. So it might actually be a chance for a, a revolution and a, and a renewal of the interest in the sport, Crowley. I think... There's positives for it. I, I understand the people that have been going to Parramatta since it started, like I did with Clement. they are devastated. There's no doubt about that because you can build any any new speedway you like and no different to you, Crowds. If they build a new Bathurst, gasp. If they suddenly shut down the mountain and they built something that was 20 times better, it would still break your heart.
2: It still wouldn't be the same. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. Hey, uh, before we let you go, just give us the links to... The moonshine where do we find out what it's <laughs> about where do we get the information where can people see the bottles you Sell send it. me
0: you send me your postal address fellas as well because i need to bang a, a bottle uh in the post to you both we can post it that's a great part yeah. normally
3: i'd say mate thank you so much but you don't have to but no i'm gonna just yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> ring the bell ding, ding 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 cash for comment um Methanolmoonshine.com.au and the Methanol Moonshine Facebook page. It doesn't get much more simple than that. And what we often say is it's not what you'd expect. And I think, as you know, Crowley, that has been my entire motorsport broadcasting career summed up it in has. one sentence. Not
2: what you'd expect. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And, and the great thing is, too, if
3: you're a an owner of a sprint car and you do run out of fuel... <laughs> yes. <and> you just <laughs> pour it in.
0: You can. it the methanol. Well, there's no... There's no methanol in it by that point because you actually burn the methanol off yeah. it in the process, but you can degrease oh, yeah. your car, yep. you can start a fire, and you can <laughs> clean your car with it. And if you lose a spot,
3: you can strip the paint off. You, got no, no, you can't
2: lose. win-win. Oh, mate. Well, next, <laughs> next week, ladies and gentlemen, we launch On the Booze, our new podcast as well.
4: <laughs> hey,
3: look forward to that good one. Love it. <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you so much for joining us, Wade. As always, really great to hear from you. Look after yourself up there, buddy, and we'll catch up soon, I'm sure. Hey, yeah, good,
0: good to talk to you guys, Hey, eh?
2: Hi, everyone. Week nine of the VP Supercars All-Stars E-Series was a thriller on the high banks of the Mich- um, Michigan Oval. It was a terrific night of racing. And joining us to debrief it this week on NTI Inside the E-Series is the boss of Supercars Media and the man who's pulled this whole show together over... What's been just over two months of fantastic motor racing, Nathan Prendergast. G'day, Nathan. G'day Krausey. how are you, mate? Mate, I'm really well. Thanks for jumping on board. Um, let's let's immediate past discuss first. Let's talk about the racing last night because it was a cool opportunity to see our supercar stars on the oval for a full night of racing. What's your take out from it?
1: Look, I was pretty pleased with it. I actually the surprising thing was the qualifying jewels. They were amazing. Some of the best racing we actually had was in, in qualifying, but I was super keen to get back to an oval after Charlotte, to be honest with you, I was surprised how good Charlotte was, you know, in the planning, we went one race, Charlotte to it, Daytona on the road, because I thought that was going to deliver the best results. <laughs> and then once the Charlotte race finished, I was like, can we just stay here? Um, so it was immediate that straight away, I like, we've got to go back to an oval. That was, that was so good. And, um, Anyway, that's why I set Michigan as the track that we did so the drivers could decide on the other one. Mm. And they all voted to stay at Michigan, which was interesting. So it was pretty close to the end with Laguna Seca, but that, that, that got it across the line. And I don't think it disappointed Kralzi. I mean, I reckon we had some amazing racing. Um, I still can't believe how good SVG is. Like, he had that off and dropped to 13th and, you know, no safety car and drove back to the field and took the win on the last corner, last lap. So... Really good stuff. Bit disappointed that I couldn't deploy a safety car in the last race because we were a little bit behind in the broadcast and and no one likes time-certain finishes and it would have taken us time-certain and and also put us out of our broadcast window by too much. Um, But, you know, we've ended up with a pretty good championship um, scenario going to the final rounds. So... Top SVG, who apparently didn't read the regs and thought it was a two-stopper, not a <laughs> single-stopper. Yeah. Um, but I think it, sh- it had a bit of everything. Some really close racing, a bit of weird strategy, uh, and a good result.
2: I know you're a, an Oval fan, you love NASCAR and IndyCar racing, and you grew up on dirt track speedways as well. Did you get the same reaction as I did when I watched that the first Oval race um, at Charlotte, which was just... Seeing our guys, our cars, our shapes, our sponsors, liveries, on an oval track was just this real wow moment because it's not something that's likely to happen in real life in the immediate future. So to be able to do it virtually was just such a cool thing for the championship to experience.
1: Yeah, look, it was. It was really amazing. And the thing is, um, because the platform's so realistic, you get immersed in it really quickly. You forget that you're not watching um, you know a virtual display of, of racing. Um, so yeah, it was amazing for me. Um, I've had a lot of great feedback and I remember I even had Roland Dayton say to me that he had to remind himself that to not get so carried away because yeah. he's watching a game because it was. We had some amazing close racing from Charlotte and uh, good to see it was carried on. But I think it's worth mentioning that whilst it is uh, you know, a game in inverted commas or a Z series, it's genuine skill to do it. Yeah. Right. So, so it's to me, it's still sport. It's still racing, and instead of a steering wheel going through a mechanical function to the tires on the ground, the steering wheel's going through electronics to output that output. So the good guys are still got to be really, really good, and it's not easy. Um, so we're just really lucky that you know it, it it is broadcastable so well. It looks really cool, and. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people go, it's just a game. It's just a game. Bullshit. It's actually really, really hard.
2: Yeah. And and people take it very, very seriously. And the reactions to incidents are often the same as they are in real world. One of the best parts about this, and I'm sure you've seen some of the Twitch feeds that guys like Scotty and Scott Pye has been quite popular on Twitch as well. He does a a cool debrief show after each round and a bunch of drivers have engaged with that is building those personalities. And with their helmet off, which has been a fantastic thing to see because we don't get that in the real world. When we cut to an onboard, they're suited up. They've got fireproofs on. They've got a balaclava and a helmet. You can't see those reactions. But I love it. And Scott McLaughlin's blue screen glasses have been a talking point in this. And the changes, Chas Mostert's hair, Nelson, the dog, have been all massive storylines. So I'm sure as a storyteller, you've enjoyed bringing that aspect of this as well as the racing side.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, it was, I think I've said it to you in the past, it was one of the key things for us is to make sure that we humanised it. Mm. So we were really lucky to get all the drivers and then to be able to, to box them and see them. Uh, and, and it also goes to my point earlier about how hard it is. You can see the focus and the attention. And then to your point, the emotions, Nick Perkett last night when he yeah. had a little altercation with his teammate and had the blow up, yeah. you know, to actually see that the, the, the face has been a new thing. And I'd like to think we've genuinely attracted some new people and some new fans to the sport because they're getting the best of both worlds. They're seeing the personalities of the drivers, which is, is um, unique and new. It's like we, we do get to see them, as you say, out of the car, but to see what they're like competing. And uh, then obviously the racing's been really good. So, yeah, it's, that's been a, a real bonus for us. That and the instant connectivity. So, race finishes, talk to the guys on Discord. Uh, and it's one of the things that I want to adopt more into the main broadcast. So, you know, we've already got plans afoot to try to get more instant immediate access to drivers and cars as a result of the success. It's not a new trick. I know it's been done in the past and we've sort of moved away from it, but I think now, um, you know, we need to start doing that again, talking to the guys more than just after a shootout.
2: Well, that was going to be my next question and you've, you've probably just answered it, but what learnings outside of that have you taken out of this form of production into real world stuff when we go back racing in a couple of weeks time
1: oh look I think um, definitely the, the instant access to the drivers the um, the ability to talk to them in the car as quick as we can now obviously this requires some approvals through you know the teams etc and, and further bodies but but I reckon people are going to be more up for it now because they it's what they've been used to for ten weeks you know mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah, get a Shane, get us, got to get a Nick, get out, whoever. It's Neil here. Talk to them. Obviously, once they're out of the race mode, I want to be able to do more of that. Other learnings have been, and it's not a new one. Um, I've always said we've got to see more faces. You know, uh, our sport's really challenging. Where most other sports, you know, predominantly ball sports, you ride with the person when they're celebrating that moment. You see them kick the goal. You see them react. You see the you know, the face if it's you know, going to go through or, and the elation of when it happens. Our guys are doing 300 kilometers an hour in a race suit and a helmet inside a car with the one camera. Um, and we need to do more to see these people in there with their helmets off, either directly out of the car or even when they're not racing. So, do more of, of stuff with them. So, that's obviously a, a reminder rather than a learning that, you know, we've got to show more faces, we've got to see these people and see their personalities. Um, and from, sorry, a business, from a business perspective, I think there's a, a couple of people talking about formats, but I think, you know, the, the reverse grid thing's debatable. You know, obviously from a TV perspective, it's entertaining, but it's very expensive and it's costly. And we've been there and done that. And I do think that what we arrived at at the start of the year with the two by 200s is a cool thing, but I understand we're going to be trying different things and, and looking at, you know, ways to do things a bit differently earlier on.
2: Um, you mentioned his name there. I, I think we need to talk, Neil Crompton, just for two minutes on this because we all know he's the best in the game. But, man, he's brought his A-game for this stuff. Um, challenging to call from a studio when you're not at the track. Obviously, this is virtual anyway, so that's the scenario. But his commentary alongside Matt White initially and AJ and Garth Tander since then has just been on point And it elevates the show, doesn't
1: it? Oh, yeah, look... I think any, I've even said to you in the past, it was a number one priority to make sure we had Neil on the, as the voice of this to give it credibility and make it feel like, and look like a superguards broadcast. And what I love is the fact that Krompo's relaxed. Like he, he's actually delivering some really funny stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still professional when it's on, it's on, you know, he, he, he carries with it this weight and an importance Um of a, of a situation, scenario, you, you go back to round three and listen to that last lap call of Bathurst. You was, may as well be in the real race, the 1,000, you know? And he, he brings that. And then in this series, he's really embraced the, the concept and, and the product. He did a little bit of celebrity racing himself. He's jumped in my sim for a bit of fun and understands that it's a real challenge. So he respects it, and, but he also doesn't take it too seriously. So, mate, yeah, he's been an absolute pro.
2: I think one of the outstanding highlights is from the celebrity race, just the sense of humour failure. You could see evolve as the race went on when it was getting tied up in other people's incidents and that competitive burning fire of a racing car driver came back in him. uh,
1: So so the funny thing that happened there, sorry to cut you off, mate, is um, obviously they're celebs, so they don't necessarily know the rules on the safety car, right? (laughs) So so they're all passing him under yellows and he is having a massive sense of (laughs) humour failure. And he... And he's yelling, so I'm in the control room around the corner from the studio and I've had him muted for some reason and I could hear him through the door. Nathan, what are these guys doing? He was not impressed at all. And I'm like, mate, they, they don't know the rules, just pass them back. And then obviously we took the shots of him and he was like trying to remain composed, very frustrated about the situation. But, you know, I think secretly there's a part of him that loved that night as well.
2: I think so. You you can see that with it. Um, Just talk broadly on the impact that this has had on supercars because as a sport, we've been able to do what no one else in the professional sporting world has done because going and playing virtual football just isn't the same. But this translates so well, both from a sporting point of view, but importantly for supercars and the teams and drivers commercially, it it strikes me that it's just ticked so many boxes for the organisation in this period where there's been no real world racing.
1: Look, Oregon is safe to say it's exceeded expectations. You know, um, we all thought, cool, here's a chance to stay on TV, make sure the partner sponsors drivers. Everyone gets some exposure that Fox uh, maintains, you know, some coverage that 10 gets some product. But the way it's been embraced by um, the broader community, obviously people have been starved of sports, so that helped initially, but it's actually maintained a bit of a role. I thought I'd see... It's gone up and down, and dip, you know, in waves in the ratings, and obviously we had a, you know, a bumper year. Um, excuse me, a bumper year uh, round when we had Max Verstappen. Mm. But I really think it's done wonders for the business. I think it, you can't really go anywhere, and as soon as someone tell, you know, you tell someone what you do, they go, "Oh, that e series stuff's cool." Yeah. So everyone's sort of seen it. Everyone knows it. Everyone thinks it's entertaining. It's got the right mix of real racing and real representation of supercars and then there's the silly stuff where they just do helicopters and they fly and <laughs> it gets all the people giggling and we had um we had a report from futures which is our our data and analytical partners and and they reckon we've genuinely touched you know half a million new viewers like wow. it's, it, it has reached a genuine half a million new people that have not had anything to do with supercars before that are now aware of the sport and are you know what level they're engaged. But, you know, I think it's been a really big success for us.
2: And the digital side as well, we must be pleased because even if the Fox numbers have grown and dropped week on week, um, the Facebook stream, YouTube stream, you've been on Twitch as well and all those are just valuable ads, I suppose, to the existing ways of consuming the sport.
1: Yeah, I mean, massive numbers. You know, like um, I should have um, spoken to our digital team before I called you, but I know that they've seen, you know, Incredible numbers, particularly for this time of the year, which is normally sort of quiet, you know, for some of the rounds we go to. So, yeah, like I said, um, you know, it's been very successful for us. I've got to say, um, I'm surprised that, you know, the 10 weeks has maintained it and we're all getting a little bit worn out, but I'm really going to miss it, you yeah. know, when it stops on Wednesdays. And we are going to run an E series later in the year with our regular races, um, but I'm, I'm going to miss it, mate. I think it's been. Great fun.
2: Well, and the number of people on social media that Wednesday night's their thing now. They sit down, they they do something good for dinner, they have a couple of beers, watch supercars midweek. It's like breaking this monotonous week of not much happening up, which I think is tremendous. Um, Last one, Nate. before we let you go, we've got a date. We're going back racing in a couple of weeks at Sydney Motorsport Park. From a supercar side, and, and your side in particular, from a TV point of view, what's going into the preparations for that? And how you attack? What's going to be a pretty unique race meeting?
1: Yeah, so I actually was just at uh, City Motorsport Park this morning, um, just having a look around because um, off topic, but incredibly, the towers like eighty percent of them are up.
2: Yeah, it's
1: amazing. Looks really, really good. So obviously we won't be under lights, but I wouldn't wanted to see whether any sight lines had changed with cameras. So uh, Director Brian Forshaw and I were out there and and we had a look at a few bits and pieces. So. So there's that, the nuts and bolts sort of technical planning on what we're going to do and how we're going to approach cameras differently because there's no crowd and so forth. Um, And the rest is sort of planning what the broadcast is going to be full of because it's supercars only. So essentially the schedule, which is to be finalised, is made for TV. And being as such, we've had to ask the teams to reduce the gaps between sessions. So what they might have traditionally had a larger gap which was might have had two or three sport races. You can't do that, right? So we can't have massive gaps to fill. Um, so the teams have have agreed, and I'm sure the formats and stuff will be posted shortly. Which I, I you know, can't say, but it's going to be quite a condensed little um, package. That said, it's still six hours of television. Yeah. Right. And so we are currently working on well, what do we fill it with? So one of the beauties is we've got all this track time. So we are going to try to utilise having access to the racetrack between supercar sessions to try to tell different stories and, you know, maybe get some of our talent to drive different things to talk about how you overtake or get out of a corner and walk through an apex or, you know, plus we've also got a heap of other content that, you know, we've, we've got to get away because a lot of stories to be told. So, yeah. so it's a lot of the planning on, on, on what we're going to put into the, the broadcast, make sure that the people tune in and they're, they're entertained.
2: Mate, that sounds great. Looking forward to it. Uh, I think I speak for a lot of the fans when I say thanks for the effort you guys have put in for E Series. It's been amazing. Good luck with the final round and look forward to seeing you back at a racetrack soon.
3: Thanks, Krause. Cheers, mate. Really appreciate it.
2: There's Nathan Prendergast from Supercars joining us on NTI Inside the E Series.
3: Dale Rogers from the racetalk.com. Hello, Dale. Hey, Tony and Crowsey. Lovely to be back on board. Had a couple of weeks off. Yeah, well, you
2: we've.
3: Know, g- let's, yeah, we've given ribs, yes. a rib, yeah. yeah.
2: Go for it. I've had one week off this year. Yeah. Dale's been MIA for two weeks. Mark's yeah. been doing all the heavy lifting. And you give me grief for missing one week in a month.
3: Yeah, well, the yeah, truth be known is Dale's only a bit part. You're actually a co-host.
2: Oh, no. oh, oh the truth emerges. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Um, well, it's lovely been talking to you. We'll see you next week. Yeah, hey, yep, thanks for joining us, folks.
3: I will thank you, though, for uh, your submission last week on the uh, review of Williams in the F1. That, uh, it, it really broke it down well.
2: Yeah, no worries. Sorry. It's
4: a fascinating story and um, yeah, I'll obviously like to play out there. But uh, great to see Formula 1 back in, in a couple of weeks and I think everyone's looking forward to that as well with everything else that's going on around the world.
2: I miss Sunday nights in front of the couch falling asleep to a boring Grand Prix. You know, <laughs> yeah. in, in days gone by, I would complain about a Grand Prix being boring. But right now, all I want to do is get to about lap 20 when you know Lewis Hamilton's going to win by 10 seconds and just doze off on the couch. I miss that. Badly, And for those of you listening via uh, RS1 on the radio show limited network of channels um, in Australia, our Formula One races predominantly start at 10 to 10.30 on a Sunday night, which are terrific. So you sit there, you've had dinner, you have a glass of red or a cold beer, watch a Grand Prix and fall asleep. It's just a Sunday night tradition for race fans here. And I have missed that all year long.
4: Yeah, Well, I'll, I'll just our listeners overseas that I actually stop and watch the Formula 1 Grand Prix because <laughs> I not know what the hell's going on the next morning Yeah, uh, but it's, uh, look I think it's going to be great to see the cars back, the season, the season obviously hasn't started at all uh, and there will be some uh, some good battles I think so a will be close mm-hmm. to the top and hopefully uh, we do see some good battles and we, hope we see a man Dan up there.
3: Yeah exactly hey, I'll tell you what, uh, just while we're on Formula 1 uh, a young Aussie is uh, turning some eyes after a fantastic uh, E-Series display last week
4: <laughs> Indeed yeah, I, look, I think that the, the the quality of young guys we've got back—Peroni, Pestrati, and these guys over there—are setting some great groundwork for the future. Um, they're in the right positions; they seem to have fallen into the right programs. So, uh, you know, I think we've got a couple that are on the go that could really go all the way. So, it's it's exciting times.
3: It certainly is. Boys, the big news back at home, of course, was uh, in regards to we. We knew the schedule of what was coming up uh, race-wise for V H. We theorised last week about the formats of those schedules. And finally, the format for uh, City Motorsport Park has been released. Richard, you've got it in front of you. Do you want to go through it?
2: Yeah, it hits on a lot of the things that we broke down in the show, some of the potentials. So To the extent uh, that they race... might have listened
3: to the show and actually got some ideas. It's so mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. to it's what we're talking about. Happened.
2: They're <laughs> probably onto it before we got to it, but yeah, it could have been. Um, yeah, so they roll in uh, on Saturday morning at Sydney Motorsport Park. So it's a two day event, which is part of this whole just condense it, minimise it, keep it as tight as possible. And um, Nathan Prendergast said on NTI Inside the E Series, there was a lot of negotiation with the teams to try and condense the program. So there's less gaps between it. So, of course, they don't have any support races to fill the program with. So the longer the gap between sessions, the harder it is just to pad that out and keep people engaged from a TV point of view, given there's not going to be any crowd there either. So um, just after 10 o'clock on the Saturday, there'll be a rookie practice session for 20 minutes, um, two 30-minute practice sessions, and then that's all the practice done and dusted. Uh, a two-part knockout style quali for race seven of the championship. And I'll get to the race numbering in a minute because I've got a bone to pick with that. Um, and then a top 15 shootout. Now, I don't mind that. I think that's a good idea. Keep the top 10. The top 10 sort of sacred, isn't it? To you know, get, It's part of the Triple Crown at Darwin. It's part of the Adelaide 500 Bathurst. Park it everywhere else. Top 15 shootout. I don't mind. And like we touched on last week, boys, very important to get more cars getting more TV time. We, we need to look after everybody through this time while we're trying to hang on to sponsors. So that should tick the box there. And then um, in Sydney time, Eastern Standard Time, 3.30 to 4.30, a 33-lap race with one compulsory pit stop. And Dale can touch on some of the regs around that a little bit later on. Um, so that's Saturday, done and dusted. Then Sunday, straight into qualifying, two brief sessions for the two races on Sunday. And then it's only an hour break between qualifying and the second of three races that weekend. So if you get quali wrong, you're not going to have much time to fix a car or tune it up. And then the final race will be 2.30 to 3.30-ish on Sunday afternoon. First point to this, though, on the schedule released, they're race 7, 8, and 9 of the championship. But by my maths, we've only had races 1 and 2. So I think they've counted the four we were supposed to have at Albert Park, which didn't actually happen. But because they had qualifying for one, I I don't know how that works. But anyway, three races, that's what's going to bring the championship back at Sydney Motorsport Park.
3: Just before I come to you, Dale, my only thought on that would be is that they may concede that races three, four, five, and six of the year were cancelled. So they were actually, because they they did start the weekend by having some practice sessions and the like, the actual weekend started on timing sheets through NatSoft and all that. If you go back to that round, you will find the timing well, did, they
2: quali- did they run a quali at the Grand Prix as well? It well was- did they yeah. run a quali or just
3: practice? So, yeah, they might
0: have run a quali. Yeah.
2: yeah they, so they qualified. So that, okay, well, that, that explains it then. Because yeah. if they qualified, that means it's like it's an official part of the, the race meeting. So yeah. um, the Grand Prix was 300 years ago, though. So it's difficult to remember <laughs> what went on. At
3: it Park. seems that, Dale, it really does.
2: Well, uh, do I think
4: there's some interesting things um, that have come out, as Richard just touched on. Um, First of all, there is a compulsory pit stop in all three races to change at least two tyres. Now, there's only going to be two guns over the wall with six people. Uh, you can change four tyres, but it will be a pretty slow stop. It'll be a bit more like uh, watching a NASCAR stop.
3: Mm. Uh,
4: in fact, where you've got guys running from, from end to end or or a, w, or a WEC sort of stop. Uh, but the thing I really liked about the, the rules that were announced is, uh, is the restriction on data. So access, access to the supercars data logger will not be permitted until the end of the event. Uh, they've removed brake temperature and gyro G sensors have been removed as well. So in terms of uh, engineer to driver and driver to engineer, um, it, it's, it's knocking a bit off. Uh, John Bow is a great fan of getting rid of as many of these things as you can. Um, so in, in the spirit of, of how this is being put together, uh, it's taken, it hasn't dumbed it down. It's just taken some of these things away from what would normally be a championship round. The other thing, of course, is Rich spoke about with the, uh, the actual races themselves. Um, you know, we've all been to many races where we've seen the Saturday 120k race and the Sunday 200k race. And I think we've normally said the Sunday was the
2: highlight.
4: Mm. This is slightly longer, day 10k is longer, but it's absolutely maxing out a tank. So uh, if there was a track to try it on, I think Sydney Motorsport Park is the place to do it. It's hard on tyres. Uh, it's, a, it's a circuit you can pass on. There's a number of places to pass. Uh, so, and with the strategy of the compulsory pit stop, hopefully it just won't be that procession. Because what we did see in a lot of the 120k races was a freight train of cars until a pit stop. And then they went, you know, if you did pit stop quickly, they just went again. So, you know, I think what they've got is probably the best that they can do. They can't do refueling. They're using a mixed out tank, um, tyre stops there. Uh, so I think it should be a good thing. Plus it gets it going. I think Neil was saying the other night on, on, on Fox that, you know, we just want to get going again. So mm-hmm. that works. Uh, who knows we will be at Winton? If it doesn't work, I'm sure they'll revise it. But uh, uh, great to see it start. And I think that the program that Richard just went through, uh, for a TV package, and let's for, let's not forget this is a TV event, Yeah. full of all. There's going to be entertainment all afternoon. All yeah. Sunday Sunday.
2: Yeah, I like it from that aspect. And, and Nathan talked about that earlier on, that it was important for them to condense it as much as they could so that that window, even though it's still a big chunk of TV time, um it didn't get overly boring and just waste time uh in the program so even qualifying there's five minutes between the two quality sessions on sunday bang bang knock them over and then they've only got to fill an hour interview 10 drivers and you fill that gap no problems um and then you're into the next race race eight so uh i like that and then a little more than an hour to get around and turn the cars around for race nine and so um you won't want to have damage, for sure, in that race. That that will be really, really interesting to see how they manage that and how the drivers do it. From a strategy point of view, I hope there's enough difference and enough delta in the tyre that you can get some undercut and some overcut. Mm-hmm. By, you, you stop early, maybe, to get track position, but then it burns you later in the race. Um, Sydney Supernight two years ago, we did see that. That's what set up that really good finish towards the end with, with different tyre condition. Um, McLaughlin got mugged and the Red Bull cars came through because they had better rubber at the end and they could overtake. So I hope that plays a role and I hope we see some of that rolling of the dice. The problem is, if anyone rolls the dice on Saturday, everyone will learn from that straight away and won't do it. If it doesn't work, they won't do it on Sunday. But then if it does work, everyone will do the thing that works, the fastest strategy on Sunday. So you won't have that variation. So the only thing I would have liked to have seen in this program is race eight grid B like a top eight reverse. Yep. Okay. Possibly. Um, don't punish someone too much for getting pole, but flip flip a little bit enough of it to get some of those guys who are on the cusp of a top five. And we can only assume who that's going to be, but it might be a Tickford car. It might be a WAU car. Could be Nick Perkat. Give them an opportunity to get at the front and run in clean air. Um, but still, if you're the fastest car, you'll be towards the front and still getting good points. That's the only thing I would have liked to have seen. But I think it ticks some boxes. And certainly from an on-track point of view, we're maximising on-track running. Um, and, yeah, hopefully they're three good races. That's, I think that's all we need at the moment.
3: We've seen uh, stacking become an issue in the past. If you get caught in a stack in this, it will absolutely cruel you. You forget about it.
4: Yeah, no, you're completely gone. Uh, so if safety cars do play the role, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're the second car in in the, the team chain, you're gone. Mm, you're so gone. You 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 may find that uh, you you just simply can't do it, and you've got to roll the dice for another safety car. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, you, it, no matter where you are in the field, if you stack this, you're going to be at the back. So yeah. in a in a in a longer race, yeah, you you may be able to recover, and we've seen that often. Not in, not in these races. So yeah. uh, but you know, that's another variable, and uh, the teams left to deal with it. But I think there's you know, the teams will have less people on the ground if there are incidents with the cars. It's going to be a very tight thing to turn things around. Um, uh, you know, the, the management aren't going. Obviously, there's no media things there, but but the their own team is, is trimmed right down. So they're going to work very, very hard over, over the, uh, the full weekend. And I think the real test will be um, whether or not Richard's idea, which I really do like, whether it's a top eight or a top ten, uh, whether or not that becomes a factor perhaps for a Winton. Uh, I think they've got to try it somewhere. I don't think they can just yeah. go and, and run a three-race format initially. The other interesting thing is we've heard today that in your fair state, Richard, they're going to let 2,000 people in to watch the uh, the derby, Port Adelaide versus Adelaide. And I'm sure our UK viewers, uh, listeners, probably don't understand what that no, is with our, our, our AFL code. You'd be But surprised. Uh, it's, it's uh, 2,000 people back plus some uh, uh, plus some families or corporates, I believe. Um,
2: yeah.
4: And I just wonder whether or not uh, there is some... Um, Behind the scenes to try and perhaps let some people in. I know that park and the park and ride idea was it was a parky car on the fence like the old footy ground was was being bandied around. But it would be great if there is was ability to to let a limited number of people in. Um, but well, well, I, I guess we'll see.
2: Yeah, I, I I doubt very much it'll be for Sydney. Um, although for all of the reasons in the world, there are so many precedents now about large gatherings oh, in this sure. part of the world yeah. again. And um, I- interestingly enough, New Zealand. Uh, has announced today uh, as we record this on Tuesday that um, they're basically ending their coronavirus restrictions. Mm-hmm. Yep. So people will be allowed to go to sport, large gatherings, et cetera, et cetera, because yeah. they've almost eliminated it there. Now in Australia, it's slightly different. There's still some cases in New South Wales and Victoria um, I think one in the ACT recently, but that was from someone overseas. But look, it's getting better. I I think the approval from the South Australian government and the police to allow people into the showdown, it's not a derby, it's a showdown here, thank you very much, um, between the mighty Fighting Adelaide Crows and the other team, um, that's a good sign. So 2,000 people in a 53,000-seat stadium is not not much, but it's a start. Um, But what it means is that when we work towards September and the round at the Bend Motorsport Park, that's a great precedent to set, to, to get some people out there and then the Shannons round later on. And hopefully that can translate Shebeki to Winton perhaps um, and, and other events as we build up and certainly Townsville maybe in, uh, in Queensland.
3: Well, I've, I've definitely got a, a feeling that Townsville looks like it's going to be okay for crowd because there was talk also from uh, one of our AFL journalists in the fact that there could be a couple of hundred people allowed into the Gabba this mm. week for AFL. I know they've been looking at definitely letting people into rugby league up there in, uh, in Brisbane and Queensland. So I think in the next week or two, the Queensland government will make an announcement on that, which will be favourable. And if they do, then I definitely think that Townsville will get a go-ahead for a number of people, whether it be open due to the track size and whether they allow that to be a larger crowd. Mm. And obviously, motor racing is you know on a, on a four or five kilometre Track in in some cases two to three kilometres, but you can still fit a fair few people in your uh, four square metres, can't you? Per person, so yeah, I think Townsville will be okay.
2: Ta- Townsville's got the feeling of being a bit of a hey, we're back. Yeah, <clears throat> doesn't it? I, I just, yeah. it's just a vibe I'm getting. Um, yeah, we'll get through Sydney. Might be a little bit better at Winton. There's some whispers of support categories at Winton um, in July. <laughs> to bring a thick jacket. Oh man, um, it's, she's going to be frosty there, um, and I'm not talking about the Irwin Commodore. Um, so you know that sounds positive, but Townsville, Queensland, sun will be shining. That that feels like it's got all the hallmarks of a of a let's get this thing fired up. And then of course after that, the next round is the Bend in September, um, where it's more than likely that there'll be more opportunity to bring people out. So look, it's good, isn't it? Like a month ago, we had no idea any of this would happen. So it just... Starting to proof- get
3: some clarity, out, we? were starting yeah. to get some feeling.
2: It's just proof again of how quickly this is all developing. Yeah. And, and the, the only problem with all this is, boys, if you go back and listen to the archive of On The Grid, what we were talking about six weeks ago is completely redundant to what we're yeah. talking about now because right. it's all changed yeah. so much. But that's a positive. That's great. It means we're getting back to the new normal, whatever that might be. So- and
3: the, the other thing too is, and, and there was a lot of conjecture about the the black Lives matters protest on the weekend and the amount of people getting together in melbourne sydney and all capital cities being in the same place at the at the one time but at the end of the day what may happen and we're only hypothesizing because we don't know whether we're going to get a second wave out of it or not but if we don't and if numbers stay at zero or one or two for the next two weeks they may have done us a favor Because the governments will look at that and say, right, if we had 10, 20, 30,000 people in one place and there was no community uh, transmission Mm -hmm. between it, then maybe we are playing it too safe. Maybe we can start to open up things a little bit quicker. So the next two weeks, I think, in this whole COVID-19 crowd is at a critical point due to what we've seen happen in the last few days. So fingers crossed things work out and things go into our favour.
2: Mm. at the same time and I don't want to be negative it could sink us as well
3: <laughs> well no, there's no doubt about that yeah. it could, without yeah. a doubt I'll absolutely just,
2: yeah I've got everything crossed that, that that's not the case um, we won't go into that on this show because we don't do politics because they're rubbish um, yes yeah but no look I think positive positive. Um, and yeah looking forward to things building up again and um, just to finish on Dale's point he made before about the, the little rule tweaks as well I really like that uh, and we've seen Formula One do much the same with their program Where they've actually gone, no, right, we're going to, you know, we're going to force this budget cut through. We're going to cut back on what you can do to the cars, the amount of tuning, all this stuff, which will make the sport better. I I think that's terrific. The other thing that's interesting is IndyCar came back on the weekend, Sunday, our time, Saturday night in Texas.
3: Scotty Uh, Dixon.
2: Yeah, Scotty Dixon absolutely smoked the field, which you just, that guy is a phenomenon. I think the stat is now he's won at least one race in 16 consecutive seasons which is just extraordinary when you look at the depth of competition in IndyCar racing right now um, and the competitive teams involved, Andretti, Penske, it's just fantastic. So well done to Scotty. I, I loved the, the mixed messaging after that though, because everyone was like, yeah, it's so cool to have racing back. It was a terrible race because it wasn't a good motor race. I I've, I've watched it and it wasn't thrilling, but everyone was like, oh, it was a bad race, but we really don't want to say it was a bad race because we're just happy to have racing back. Um, and I feel like Sydney Motorsport Park might be the same because that place hasn't been renowned for turning on thrilling supercar racing in the past. Let's be honest. Sydney super night was a pretty good race because of a late safety car and it was under lights. But outside of that, it's been a bit flat so they could probably get away with it either way. Cause everyone's mm. just going to be going, Oh man, how good is it to have this stuff back on our TV? Let's just go car racing. So I think that's an interesting thing, and it'll be fun to monitor the reactions there and the race talk power rankings, powered by Yellow Cover, will uh, certainly touch on all of those when it comes back.
4: Yeah, I watched the IndyCar race too. I, I guess being starved to watch anything live was good, but actually, you know, one of the things that that track does is that the the speed is very high, and it was and a, the telecaster I think gave it probably a, it was one of the better telecast indicators that I've seen in, in recent years. It, it was particularly well done, but. That, 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 that Although, yes, it was boring, and, and Dixon was in another, another um, world, uh, it, it's still some of the passing and some of the onboard stuff of the passing. The, the, the cars are exciting to watch now. I, oh, I think yeah. the, the car, really, really cool. Love the aero screen. Look look very cool. I think the mm. cars look great. And, uh, uh, you know, they're they're in good shape, I think. Good field, good depth in the field. Yeah. And I think it was AJ Foyt's record that uh, Scotty's just uh, equaled or yeah. passed. So it was fantastic. So yeah. no, I really can- good feedback.
3: Speaking of cars, do we get a little indication from Roland Dane? I saw, or I think it was uh, on speakerfa.com, Roland Dane, talking about the fact that supercars need to be a lot more simpler to attract new teams. Do we get as an indication of what Gen 3 might start to look like, a, a much more easier car?
4: Well, hopefully it looks nothing like Car of the Future, which was <laughs> the most expensive car ever made in Australia. The $275,000 rolling chassis and a 300000 or 350000 k on the grid Rolled out at about 650k each initially, mm. so that's that's a fact. So um, that got ahead of itself. Um, look, I think I think the reality is now that unless they can make this a simpler formula than what it is at the moment, because it's a complex car to build, a complex car to maintain, um, we are going to be heading down a, a, a route that's unsustainable. I mean, we've already seen we, we've we've had. Uh, I know it's been publicised with DJR. Um, letting some people go, and a good mate of ours is one of those. But there are teams that let people go. So, you know, DJ Copter, because they're, they're a big team. But there, there, there will be a smaller fraternity of people working in this category as we roll out through the year. There's no doubt about that. There's people already been let go from other teams. The cars cannot arrive with your inventory on the floor that, that is hard to sell down the road to a Super 2, if, even if Super 2 survives in its current guise. They can't introduce a car that's going to cost you 600 grand to build. It, it, will, it yeah. will sink the series. Yeah, and uh, I recall having worked for a team at the time that, that uh, the team owner at the time showed us the paperwork that said that two cars cost 1.2 million dollars to build. Now I get there the first two cars, mm. and it amortised after it, but they were simply too expensive. Yeah. Um, they were hard to fix. You know, the, there was a long time before we had laser lineups to to do rear ends in the pits, where the old cars you'd bash out at TAFE. So it has to be simpler. Roland's right. Um, I think everyone 's saying the same thing, but whether it it translates to what is put down on the paper for these rules and then the interpretation of those rules it's going to be a really tough gig. It must be simpler. One of the secrets was in reality was was the simplicity of the New Zealand cars now you know i 'm not saying that's the formula, but the cost infected us. they were simple cars, and yeah. they were exciting to watch
2: yeah and and look that. <sighs> You mentioned the human capital and and we should say a shout out to our good mate, Ben Nightingale, who unfortunately was made redundant during the week. He's one of many. Um, the, the human capital is what will be expended in such a major rule change because, and, and what I think is going to happen is they've gone, okay, well, 13 people, including drivers per two car team at Sydney Motorsport Park. So no team owners are going, no PR people are going, but I reckon what they're going to find out is they're going to go, do you know what we can run these cars for this number of people too much of a drama. Sure. If you bend it, it's, it's a hassle, but if it's an easier car to fix and run, then that won't be a problem in the future. So you throw your PRs, you throw your team bosses and luminaries into there. And I, I reckon this minimum number of people at a racetrack will be a thing because the human capital, whilst it is valuable and it will be sad to lose it. It's also a hugely expensive part of the business in paying wages and traveling people, especially Um, so that it's unfortunate that that will be a natural thing and there's going to be a a cost involved in upgrading all of this stuff but I I like it there's been talk of crate engines there was a a story running the media about the Coyote V8 Um, the S5000 engine which is done by um, Innovate which is a terrific Australian business Coyote crate engine tuned up for S5000 it'll do four and a half thousand Ks between rebuilds, which in S5000 is going to be more than two seasons of racing
4: Mm.
2: with the amount of miles those cars do. So you upscale that to a full season of supercar racing, and it's still more than a season Mm
0: -hmm. without having
2: to touch it, change the oil and filter, send it away you go. That's what they've got to do. And as cool as it was following Todd Kelly, developing the Ford engine for the Kelly racing Mustangs, amazing technology, amazing skills, great content, waste of money because it doesn't change the show what the actual on track product which is what the majority of people tune in for it doesn't change it whack a crate engine that costs everyone 50 grand that'll do a season between rebuilds way they go
3: i've always said and i'll stick to this until the day i die the punter would not know if a car's doing 280 or 250 You, you just don't
2: yeah, well I agree and, and take the arrow out of them. And yeah. they'll go faster in a straight line yeah. and wobble through the corners all sideways because they've got no arrow and, and this and, is what Formula One's going the,
4: through. The beauty thing is is that they won't all be standing on the brakes at ninety four meters.
2: Yes, no, no, correct they'll you. be
4: back at about hundred and thirty, which means you've got an after chance of putting a car up inside without getting a penalty.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So cost effectiveness one and then great racing two. That's where it's this yeah. is. Better. But I, I think more now than ever, I think everyone across the category and the sport are pretty up to the, up in the mindset that they've got to make this right. Yeah. So whether where Roland going to the press and saying, oh, these cars have got to be cheaper is, he was just asked a question or whether it's a strategic thing going and doing a bit of saber rattling going, come on guys, you to pull your finger out. Who knows? And everyone's done it. Um, it, it he was asked a question and gave an honest answer. But I think everyone's, up to speed with it so well, now, motor, now they've got to execute
3: motor racing's in a situation especially supercars is in a situation now where they've probably only got one more chance at it
2: yeah they've got to get it and right Shabek. and if they, they don't
3: get it right this time round, it oh, will go if yep. they do then we'll get another 20 years out of it no doubt yeah no doubt
2: 100 well,
3: percent. let's hope that they realize it boys always an absolute pleasure to catch up with you guys and have a chat
2: been good thanks for coming back on dale it, it's yeah no we great. really appreciate thanks it program. Yeah. thanks for making time in your very very busy corporate schedule and for <laughs> keeping the the dogs quiet you guys well.
4: we might even see you at a racetrack this year somewhere <laughs> oh,
3: nice. no, what have you done to the dogs
4: oh, i shot them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no,
3: no, they are, are they, they
4: are my, are. my yeah. one of my one of my my youngest daughter back at school today she, She's tendering them out and giving them dinner. I said, This is the design
3: you've got to give them dinner time So, here Let's make sure we do it around this time every week then. (laughs) All right, boys. Talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, boys. Always a
3: pleasure. Thank you for joining us as well, right here on the grid. We'll catch you again
0: next week. This program is a radio show limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.